ุทังธรรมังสังฆังนมัสสวัสดีค่ะอันนี้เป็นเรื่องที่ต้องระมัดระวังนะครับ
as is the Buddha, he's uh, pointing to a, a shift in the uh, locus of identity. Do we find identity by following the impulse, following the movements of mind? Or do we find identity in knowing the impulses of mind? There's the knowing and there's the known. This was very usefully illustrated on occasion when a well-educated man in Thailand uh, from Bangkok came to see Ajahn Chah and, and he was, although he was a mature man, he actually hadn't spent a lot of time visiting monasteries and, and he'd been encouraged to visit Ajahn Chah and, and so he asked Ajahn Chah this question, what is meant by the middle way? And Ajahn Chah didn't give him a technical analysis of the eight factors of the, of the middle way. What he gave him, he said this, said, on one extreme there's liking, on the other extreme there's disliking. The middle way is knowing liking, knowing disliking. The middle way is that perspective on the movement of mind. Liking is a movement, an activity. Liking, we can know liking. There is liking of this curry. Liking this curry, or disliking. This curry is too, too much chilli in it too much salt in it, is disliking. There's the liking, disliking. There's also the knowing of the liking, disliking. Do we stop to register that there's a knowing? Have we ever stopped to register there's the knowing, there's the known as the knowing? Mm. So this is uh, an important teaching, obviously, and, uh, and something that we're encouraged to cultivate, not just to study, read about, and understand what's actually meant by sammā ditti, right view, or sammā sankhapa. What is sankhapa really? What does it actually mean? And, and you can think and study and read a lot about what's been said and been written about these aspects of the Eightfold Path. In terms of practice, it's skillful to let go of trying to conceptually understand what's being referred to and apply ourselves, as Ajahn Chah was encouraging, to simply exercising mindfulness, exercising this application of attention to see, can we, can we see the tendency to follow liking and disliking. Can we see that tendency? Mm. If all we have is following the tendencies, if that's all we have, which is certainly what's encouraged in our culture, is to follow liking disliking, to maximise on getting as much as we like and to avoid as much as possible dislike, just taking sides for and against life, we're in a state of continual agitation. What's better? Is, it, is Indian food better or Chinese food better? Or nationality? Taking sides for nationality. 
here we are just south of the border with Scotland. Is it better to be Scottish or is it better to be English? Yeah. Or religion in the world of religion, in the realm of religion, is it, is it better to be Theravadan Buddhist or Mahayana Buddhist, taking sides for and against? Yeah. Language. Which is the best language, English or French or German? If all we have is our preferences, then as I say, we're in a state of continual agitation and very restless. Now that's not to say that having preferences and having likes and dislikes is wrong. That's a mistake that we usually make. Oh, you mean we shouldn't have any preferences? That's... That's holding too tightly. That's clinging to the idea of the teaching of the middle way. It's not about not having preferences, not having liking, disliking. It's about how we have them, how we hold, how we engage in that movement of mind. How we hold, for instance, I was thinking earlier about the, if you've ever used one of those industrial floor polishers, they're a really powerful tool. They don't look much, but once you turn them on, they're really powerful. And if you know how to use them, they can polish the floor beautifully. We, we hire one every few years to polish the floor in the Dummer Hall here. We re-wax it and we polish it. And Using this piece of equipment, if you don't know how to hold it properly, it can drag you across the floor and you can make a mess of the wax as well. If you know how to hold it properly, you can just hold it with one hand, maybe even one finger. You've got to get the angle right and the pressure right. It takes a certain skill how to hold the handle of the floor polisher. Mm. Learning how to hold our experience in a way whereby we're not indulging and not, indi and not denying. Mm. This is worth investigating. If all we have is taking sides following liking, following disliking, agreeing and disagreeing, then we're always in a state of discontentment. The Buddha was pointing to a state of contentment, a state of imperturbability. Maybe you know in the, in the Mahamangala Sutta, there's that line, jittang yasangna kampati. Yeah. This jitta, this heart that has understood the Four Noble Truths, is imperturbable, nakampati. This state of imperturbability, the Buddha said, is a possibility if we train ourselves properly. So, how do we access this middle way? How do we access this middle way? How do we practice? Remember, again, we're not trying to get rid of preferences. We're not trying to pretend that we don't like this curry or dislike that curry. Of course, there's always going to be liking, disliking, and some people perhaps prefer uh, the monastery power porridge with oat milk on it. Other people prefer salty rice gruel with crispy garlic on it. It depends on whether you've been brought up here or brought up in the northeast of Thailand. Personally, I don't particularly like salty rice porridge with crispy garlic on it first thing in the morning. I do like power porridge with soy yogurt on it. How do we hold our liking and disliking? Are we defined by our conditioned preferences? Mm. 
So in contemplating this discourse by the Buddha of learning to see where we limit our experience on life by always following these impulses. If that's all we've got is following, liking, disliking. If we don't even have the faith in the possibility of this alternative perspective, the middle way. So if we do have faith in the possibility of the middle way, well then we want to start exercising the discipline of attention. If we don't know how to exercise the discipline of attention, well then our attention is dissipated. It's scattered all over the place. We can't, we can't apply attention and look deeply and investigate. And it's a sad thing. That you, maybe you've met people who you try to have a conversation with and their attention is so all over the place that they can't even hold a conversation properly. I find it sometimes when people ask me a question and and then I try to offer a reply and I and sometimes not even finished uh, replying to their question and they interrupt and they've got another question or they change the subject. There's, there's no focus, no ability to pay attention. And in this day and age, attention is currency. This is what the advertising agencies basically deal in, how to capture our attention. And if we don't know how to exercise the discipline of attention, then we lose out in life. We lose out big time. So if we're interested, if we get the message that whether we like it or not, we, we need to exercise the discipline of attention, well then just that, we get interested in it. And you see in any example of a training or discipline, it, although in some regards it may not sound attractive, but it is work. However, there's real benefits to this work. Like training anything. You know, if you've got a dog and you don't train it, it can go wild. And so you, you get a little puppy and you, you've got to invest energy, you've got to put time into training the puppy and, and then it becomes manageable. And, or if you're a gardener and you've got, you've got runner beans in the garden and you don't build a frame or a trellis for the runner beans to grow up, then they just go all over the place. And not only are the beans then difficult to pick, but also they perhaps don't get exposed to the sunlight in the same way. And so there's a benefit in investing and building a trellis, building a frame, and then training the runner beans to go up. They're exposed to the sunlight and then also easy to pick. Well, likewise with our attention. It's like anything else we want to develop, the basic principle that I've mentioned before, basic Buddha's principle, that if there's a quality that we want to develop, well, one of the first things we do is to notice how disadvantaged we are by not having that quality. So we see the disadvantage, and then we see the advantage in having that quality, these, these two aspects so to reflect on. You know, disciplined attention. What it's like to not have disciplined attention. Like if you're on your own and you don't know how to discipline your attention, the mind goes all over the place. And maybe you've heard of that experiment that was done, I think it was on some university students, and, and they were left alone. And, and some of them may exercise the preference to receive an electric shock rather than to sit there and do nothing. 
rather than to sit there and do nothing, they exercised the preference to receive an electric shock, which was painful. At least there was something happening because they didn't know how to simply be with their own mind. Or the example I gave a minute ago of you know, having a conversation with somebody and they've got no discipline in their attention and they keep changing the subject, they don't know how to listen and they don't know how to pay attention, how to apply attention. So recognizing the disadvantage of not having disciplined attention, recognize the advantage of it, increasing the interested in it, Certainly the first stage of meditation is disciplining attention. Later on, meditation involves investigation. However, in the beginning, we need to be willing to apply effort to train attention so that it can stay steady, to steady attention, to collect attention. And and there's right ways to do it and and ways that work and ways that don't work. If we, and like with the the floor polisher or, or like if you for instance if you're if you're working on a lathe turning some wood on a lathe and you're, you're holding the chisel the, just the right just the right pressure to hold the chisel how do you hold the chisel and lean into the wood if you hold it too tightly you don't have the agility you don't have the subtlety if you hold it too loosely then the chisel flies out of your hand and can cause serious damage just holding the chisel just right how do you do that well maybe somebody can show you and they can tell you does that mean to say we know how to do it we have to apply ourselves to it it's really learning in the whole body mind not just thinking about it and that's what we're talking about with this disciplining attention so that we're able to look at the heart and mind and to see where there's a tendency to indulge in liking or to deny liking. Indulging and denying. Can we see that? Do we have the skill to be able to apply ourselves to this exercise? Well, in the beginning, probably we don't. We don't know, basically. And it's not just intellectual understanding. We just don't know how to... I was reflecting on this the other day. There was a period when I didn't know how to tie my own shoelaces. I don't know how old I was, but it just came to my mind recently. I'm, for some reason, rather being sent to stay with some family friends, I think it was the McPhersons, and, and I don't know, were we going to church or something? But anyway, I was having trouble tying my shoelaces. I didn't know how to tie my shoelaces. Well, that's normal for a child. Eventually, you learn how to tie your shoelaces, and then you can just do it. And it doesn't matter how long you haven't done it, you go back and you can tie your shoelaces because you really learnt. You really learnt how to tie your shoelaces. We know how to tie our shoelaces. It's not just we read a bit of information about it or, or saw somebody else do it. We really learn how to do it. And then, then we've got that skill. And so that's what we're talking about here. Developing the skill of the, the right kind of discipline of attention. So we're able to read what's going on inwardly. These tendencies to get lost in liking, get lost in disliking. In meditation, it's not rare that, that people fall into the trap of only concentrating on a meditation object. They're not exercising mindfulness, which 
is the primary tool that we're supposed to be exercising. And I, I concentrate, 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 and then get lost in the sensation, agreeable sensation, disagreeable sensation. That's not exercising mindfulness. Yes, there's a place for concentration, steadiness, collecting attention, applying attention. However, the right kind of application of attention needs to be mindful. How do we do that? Well, we, through trial and error, through practice, over and over again. Even if we do recognize to some degree the benefit of this application of attention and we have some confidence in the possibility of the middle way, it's wise to prepare ourselves for the fact that just because we have some appreciation of this possibility doesn't mean to say that we're going to be able to actualize it immediately. This came up recently in a conversation with somebody I've known for a good number of years, a fellow very, very committed to his spiritual life, to to the inner work, and and very capable and skilled. And and he was, in this conversation, he was sharing with me how something had happened, and he, he was really pulled into disappointment. He was feeling disappointed. And... While I was listening to him, it occurred to me, I think, actually, I'm surprised that he, he doesn't see that he's just caught in this mood. It's not, it's not an ultimate thing. As I said, I've known this fellow for many years, and I'm sure he's capable of seeing disappointment as disappointment and not being lost in it. Like we were talking about before, seeing liking as liking and not having to be completely defined by it. I was surprised that he didn't seem to be seeing disappointment as a passing mood and was really caught up in it. And so I inquired and asked him, you, know, you sure you don't just see this for what it is? And Anyway, in the course of the conversation, he did see it. And what he, also what he saw was actually he was clinging to this mood of disappointment because he didn't want to see what was behind it. There was something more painful, more difficult behind the mood of disappointment. He was in a, he had a strong conditioned habit of clinging to disappointment and so he didn't see it. And so our habits of denial, our habits of indulgence blind us basically. It's like we're in a state of intoxication and if we've done it for a long time it becomes an an addiction and a mental addiction. This is is all we know how to do and just indulging and denying in our moods. So even if we get the message that the Buddha gave us and the great teachers have demonstrated for us that there is this possibility of the middle way and we have faith in that, we have confidence in that, we, we want to move in that direction doesn't mean to say that we're going to get the results that we want straight away. Sometimes we have to get it wrong over and over again and, and then we remember, oh, that's what's happening. Oh, I've been indulging in that mood. Oh, right. And that's when we remember, hopefully, no judgment. If we're on top of catching ourselves indulging, we then judge ourselves and then take a position against ourselves 
Saying, I'm bad because I'm indulging again. That's the same thing again, taking sides for and against. Taking sides for and against ourselves. That's what we're so used to. And that's what most people are up to most of the time. Liking themselves, hating themselves. Liking themselves, hating themselves. Liking other people, hating other people. Agreeing, disagreeing. So the Buddha gave us this teaching to show us how much we limit our experience of life by always merely taking sides. And then spoke about his realization of this other possibility, this other perspective. The perspective of just knowing awareness. Just knowing awareness. Mm. This can be introduced as a meditation technique. And if we have even a conceptual appreciation of this possibility of cultivating just knowing awareness and extracting ourselves from the, the tedious drama of always indulging and denying, yeah, we can use it as a meditation like a mantra. And breathing in and breathing out, just knowing. Nothing added, nothing taken away. Breathing in, breathing out, just knowing. Breathing in, breathing out, just knowing. From the perspective of the intoxicated, deluded personality, this appears really boring. Being a nobody. And that's why it takes faith. We can't necessarily argue ourselves into feeling convinced about the value of this. It also can take enough, if you're disappointed enough by life, if you're fed up with endless disappointment from habitually indulging and denying, if we've had enough of that, well, that can condition disillusionment. The Pali, Pali word, nibhita. Impulse to turn away from these habits of indulging and denying. And if we get a feeling for this, then maybe we start to realize that life is more easeful. The habit of always taking sides is very energy extravagant. Maybe we also even discover that it's all right to not know what to do in a given situation. In all sorts of situations we find ourselves in life, if we're attached to taking sides for and against, then we I want to take the right side. I want to be on the right team. I want to be on the winning team. I want to pick the right option, the right opinion. However, often we just don't know. Should I do this? Should I do that? I just don't know. And from the perspective of having confidence in this possibility of the middle way, then that's okay. That's actually okay to not know what we should do. When I say this, I suspect that some people think that I'm promoting the idea of not knowing as the goal itself. Well, definitely that's not the case. However, it is an important stepping stone. If you want to cross a river, you want to stop across a stream, you've got to go from one step to the other. And often one very important step is the willingness 
to abide in being okay with not knowing. Thank you very much for seeing me for your attention.